One of the unique things with wolf howls is, uh, especially when wolves do it, they can project very, very far. In a dense wooded area, which is uh, the majority of the trail, a wolf howl can travel it's somewhere between 7 and 9 kilometers. In a big open area, it almost doubles. It can be about 16 or 17 kilometers. So it's one of the first things I always tell people. If we do hear them, <laughs> even if it sounds like they're right beside us, uh, trust me, they're not. They're at least 3 or 4 kilometers away. Getting out into nature and experiencing all that it offers is made so much easier all due to our provincial park system. And Whiteshell Provincial Park is not too far away to enjoy. I caught up with Adam Collicutt. He's a senior park interpreter right in Whiteshell Provincial Park. And we've been seeing footage of animals out there lately. Unbelievable. Adam shared his experiences in the White Shell Park and talked about an event that they host almost weekly. It's called the Wolf Howl Hike. Yes, this is where you get to hike and howl at the wolves. Very intriguing. There is a hike taking place this week. Can you tell me about it? Yeah, so this Friday evening, uh, as well as right now every Friday evening, at the Alfred Hole Goose Sanctuary, which is within Whiteshell Provincial Park. We meet at the uh, Goose Sanctuary there, and the entire program itself takes about two hours, and essentially we hike the trail that's about two and a half kilometers in length, and we periodically stop and learn a little bit about wolf behavior and biology, and uh, then we also howl for wolves as a pack to hopefully get them to howl back at us. Okay, so I just need clarification. We get to howl as well? Oh yeah, I'm not carrying an amplifier around. We're the ones we're the ones out there howling. Wow, so we learn how to howl. There's a, probably a proper way to do it. There is. Our first stop about five minutes down the trail is basically a practice run where we learn the procedure and then uh, go out and howl for real the next couple of stops. Okay, and so the the wolves howl back? Uh, sometimes. Batting at about, I would say, 15 to 20% of the time they howl back. A lot of different variables, but yeah. when they do howl back, it is very exciting. So do they, I guess, and scary, <laughs> how close do you think they are when they are howling back? Uh, they are not very close to us at all. One of the unique things with wolf howls is, uh, especially when wolves do it, they can project very, very far. In a dense wooded area, which is uh, the majority of the trail, a wolf howl can travel, it's somewhere between 7 and 9 kilometers. In a big open area, it almost doubles. It can be about 16 or 17 kilometers. So it's one of the first things I always tell people. If we do hear them, even if it sounds like they're right beside us, uh, trust me, they're not. They're at least three or four kilometers away. Wow. I, You know, I kind of consider myself somewhat up on what's going on in the parks. I was surprised to hear that there's a, like a decent wolf population in the white shell. Yeah, within the white shell, we figure there's about uh, 100 to 150 wolves spread over six to eight packs. And for a park the size of the white shell, that's a pretty healthy number. Yeah. What do they feed on? Like, are, do we have enough deer to be supplying them with food? Or what's how, how are they sustaining life? Well, for right now, yes. Uh, typically, and not just in the white shell, but usually everywhere that you have wolves, they're going to prey on the whatever the main ungulate that's there. So basically, whatever hoofed and antlered animal is around. With uh, In the white shell, that's pretty much just white-tailed deer. If you go other places, like, say, Nopaming Provincial Park, which is directly north of us, mm-hmm. where you have moose and caribou, that's what they'll go after. Right. But in the white shell, it's deer. Um, but not exclusively deer. Basically, one of the beauties of being a carnivore is as long as an animal has meat on it, it qualifies as food. <laughs> so in years where deer populations are 
maybe not quite sufficient enough uh, for the wolves, they'll go after whatever else they can. Beaver is a very common uh, second choice, but again, deer are definitely their uh, preferred method of food. It's the best bang for the buck weight-wise. Right. So do you see signs of wolves like like when you're going about your day-to-day stuff or like should I anticipate seeing signs of wolves if I'm out snowshoeing? It could definitely happen. Uh, wolves do. There was a couple of months ago a wolf pack uh, kind of hanging around the area and uh, they do frequent similar areas. When they find a good food source, they will stick around. So occasionally we see footprints um, along the trail or in the area that we're hiking and sometimes we see signs of scat as well. Okay, so if I was out snowshoeing, what are the odds of me, you know, coming across a wolf or a wolf pack? Um, not high, but okay. not impossible either. Uh, wolves have an amazing sense of smell and an amazing sense of hearing, and they are also terrified of humans. They do not like us at all, so chances are um, the wolf, if there are wolves in the area, they're going to be long gone before you actually reach them. If you do see them, uh, sometimes you know you may be stumbling across them, but as soon as they sense you or see you, uh, they're going to run away. Okay, wait, so you're telling me the movies have it wrong? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's the, <laughs> that's the, uh, the easy way to say it, yes. Right? Wolves are uh, really not a threat to humans at all. Okay, well, this this is good information to know. It gives me a, a little more uh, courage to maybe head a little deeper into the woods while I snowshoe. We are seeing uh, quite a large variety of wildlife, diversity of wildlife in the white shell. You know, we've seen some videos recently of lynx. What is living in the white shell? Short answer is a whole lot of stuff. So uh, within the white shell, it's uh, predominantly uh, boreal forest and the boreal shield. So you're going to have things like white-tailed deer, beaver, uh, wolves. could probably go on for about an hour and a half <laughs> listing all the different things, not even getting into the birds yet. There's right. a high uh, high diversity and a high variety of wildlife out here for sure. I, well, we're seeing it, and we're seeing some incredible footage from a pile of different people. Uh, what kind of wildlife encounters have you had in the white shell? Again, we could be here for a couple <laughs> hours, quite a bit. Yeah, right now in the winter, it's um, not too much just because, um, you know, especially with birds, I mean, we're down to, because it's winter, we're about you know 30% of the birds that are normally here are active. Uh, again, wolves don't hang around areas that people frequent, so I have not, I've heard them on our howls in the last couple of months, but I haven't actually seen one uh, since last summer. And the summer, uh, not just with last year, but in general, see bears. And when we're out hiking, if we get to areas that have rivers or lakes, sometimes we'll see beavers kicking around or swimming around. They're horrible at kicking, but great at swimming. <laughs> Noted. So so say I was out in the wood. How do you prepare for an encounter with an animal? Uh, depends on what kind of animal it is. Right. So ideally, and in most cases, the best thing to do is uh, remain at a safe distance, don't approach it. Again, chances are, majority of wildlife, as soon as you come into the area, they're going to run away or yeah. fly away or slither away. They're going to get away from you. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you just have to be aware of your surroundings, right? But, like, yeah, don't. we don't want to be tourists in the woods and get closer to take pictures. Absolutely, yeah. All of our, all of our iPhones are very well adapted at zooming <laughs> in for stuff now, so we don't need to get 
uh, closer to things. Exactly, exactly. What kind of advice do you have for cottagers that that live in the in the white shell? You know, with wildlife encounters, what should they be doing to avoid, you know, close encounters? Uh, similar things to uh, people that are coming out and camping and even coming out for day use. Uh, basically, just keep to yourself. Don't approach wildlife. Um, if you are in an area where you're staying for a while, either a cottage or a camper, make sure you keep that area clean, not leaving any garbage or pet food outside. Um, I'm sure we're all aware that, yes, bears do have a very good sense of smell and can be attracted <laughs> to that, but it's not just bears. It can be a whole wide variety of animals that we don't necessarily want to have close encounters with. Um, wolves, skunks, raccoons, foxes, uh, all those animals can be attracted to those similar types of, we call them attractants. So food, garbage, things that have a smell to them. Okay. Well, that's good advice. I do. I have one more question for you. I enjoy snowshoeing and typically breaking trail. Now, what are the odds of when a person is breaking trail that, here's is my worst case scenario right here. I snowshoe and my snowshoe goes through the roof of a bear den. See, I'm worst case scenario. What are what are the odds of that happening? Uh, well, where are we snowshoeing first? Are we snowshoeing um, along a designated trail or are we uh, just kind of out in the bush somewhere? Let's go out in the bush. How would I know where a bear den is? Not that I want to stumble upon one, but do you know what I mean? Like sometimes the snow is just so deep, you just don't know. For sure. And yeah, the snow definitely this year has been uh, very deep. The wolf howls that we do in the evenings were initially advertised as guided hikes because yeah. the last couple of years we haven't really had enough snow right. to warrant right. snowshoes versus this year we have to snowshoe every time. And wow. I have, we have snowshoes available for people to use Great. Uh, if they wish. And we definitely have needed them pretty much every time we've gone out. But chances of uh, stumbling into a bear den, very, very minimal when snowshoeing. But it is one reason that we do advise people to uh, stay on designated trails, (laughs) whether you're skiing, snowshoeing, snowmobiling, walking, uh, whatever you're doing. Stay on the trails. That's what they're there for. Okay, noted. Thank you. <laughs> I'll, I'll remember that. You referenced uh, more snow this year. What are you kind of seeing in the white shell? How does this impact the animals? Like when I do go into the woods, sometimes you, you can see animal trails. Does this uh, an issue, a bigger issue for them? Or is it kind of just, hey, we adapt? It's a bit of both. Depending on how much snow we get, it can have a bit of an impact uh, on the white-tailed deer just because it can uh, hinder them a little bit sometimes in getting away from uh, prey but most or predators. But most animals, they're, they're way more adapted for dealing with winter than us. I mean, we complain when it gets over minus 20 out. The animals don't care. A lot of animals um, have special adaptations for winter like uh, the lynx or the, you know, aptly named snowshoe hares. They essentially have snowshoes built in as their feet. So they don't really care about how much snow there is. I guess not. I'm just going to assume here that the wolves are appreciating the extra snow that slows down the whitetail. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So in some cases where, yeah, it may have a negative effect on one animal, it's going to have a positive effect uh, in the short term on another one. Oh, this has been fascinating. Thank you so much for your time and sharing so much expertise in such a short period of time. Making some notes for the next time I go snowshoeing, clearly. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you very much for talking to me.